It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. In this episode of Greater Than Zero Percent, we interview Dr. Isabel Olson, founder of Salt and Light Coalition, a grassroots movement mobilizing individuals and organizations to empower survivors to heal and thrive through workforce development. Thanks for tuning in. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. Today we have Dr. Isabel Olson, who is the founder of Salt and Light Coalition. <laughs> Dr. Olson, thank you so much for taking time today to talk to us. Thank you for being here. Yeah. So per usual, we like to start with just an elevator pitch or uh, a high level of what your organization does. Yeah. So in Chicago every year, 25,000 women are trafficked. So just to put that into perspective, that's two women every hour of every day. Uh, and what happened to them, what happens to them is that the 62% of them are trafficked before the age of 18. So you can imagine if you're trafficked before the age of 18, you're likely not going to finish high school. You're not going to pursue any higher education. You're not going to really develop any kind of job history. Right. And so when, uh, and if it, they're rescued, uh, these women have a very slim chance of finding a legitimate job. And so if you can't find a legitimate job, you're usually re-victimized. And they enter this cycle of like um, helplessness and uh, hopelessness. Um, And unfortunately, often they can't get out of it because they can't find the right um, institutions or they can't find jobs, right? And so what we do is that we try to break that cycle through workforce development. All right, well, thank you for that. So 2017 is when y'all, when you founded the organization Mm -hmm. or the coalition, what inspired you to found it? Yeah. So I guess it really goes back way back in my, my own like story. Um, I was born and raised in Brazil and, um, had a regular childhood. My dad was a lawyer. My mom was a stay at home mom. Uh, but when I was 12 years old, my father actually went to jail. Uh, he was a labor lawyer for, um, uh, factory workers in Brazil and that sort of thing. And at a time when most factories, most things were owned by the government. Mm-hmm. And so with that, um, he got into the bad side of the government, let's put it that way. Um, and then he went to jail and he was there for nine years. He couldn't even leave before uh, his time, um, even though he was like, you know, a primary, all that stuff. Um, so I really grew up without a father. Um, I had no support from him. Um, and somehow I kind of made it through. Right. And later on, when I was here pursuing my PhD, I started teaching at the Cook County jail. Mm -hmm. And what I saw was that 70% of the women in the Cook County jail at that time were there because of having been trafficked. They had been trafficking 
trafficked, sorry. And I was like, wow, is nobody looking at this? Like, why are, why, what is being done? And so I started doing some research into what was being done. And you see that it was like a very strong first line, right? So people would find, give shelters and uh, these organizations would help in the first like right after they were trafficked, but then nobody was doing any work afterwards. So how do you break the cycle of trafficking if you can't find a job, if you can't support yourself? And so I set out to create an organization that would do just that and fill that gap that I saw at that time. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective in the Cook County uh, view. Um, I was, uh, in my history, I was, I was able to, to, to work with youth in the juvenile temporary detention center. Mm -hmm. And there's a big term that's called recidivism and that's from youth and adults as well. Mm -hmm. And it sounds very similar to the concept of the concept that you mentioned of re-victimized. Right. Um, so w what kind of leads, uh, the women that you are serving to be re-victimized from, um, when they're initially, uh, founded and, 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 and incarcerated and mm -hmm. trying to get back into society? Like, what right. are some of the reasons why they just keep so being So, I think I mentioned before, they lack the education. They, most, most of the times, they dropped out of high school, right? Because if they're trafficked before the age of 18, you're not going to keep on going to high school. So, they drop out. They don't develop any work history. And on top of that, they have records, right? They have, they've been through... Uh, jail, they've been incarcerated. And so the likelihood of you getting a job is almost no, right? And so if you can't get a job and you maybe have a child or you have to support yourself and you can't support yourself, either you're going to be re-victimized, so a guy is going to traffic you again, or at that point you may choose to, you know, uh, engage in sex work, right? And then this cycle starts and, and it's really hard to get out of. Why? Because a lot of the people that are trafficked, they fall into drug addiction, you know, how to cope with it, right? And so you just create this environment that is really, really hard to break away from. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's very, very powerful and tough. Um, 25,000 uh, awareness. So our first tenant of greater than 0% is awareness. So 25,000 women per year are trafficked. Um, educate us a little bit on that. What does traffic mean? Mm -hmm. So trafficked is when you're forced, of course, to either uh, have a job, right? A lot of times uh, people are brought from other countries uh, to work at a house, let's say, or at a construction site or agricultural field, and then their passports are taken away and they basically stay in the state of slavery, right? And then after they, they're threatened, uh, I'm going to tell about you, you're here illegally to immigration, let's say, right? So that's labor trafficking. Or they can be forced or coerced to perform sex um, work. Uh, in this case, it, it is a little bit differently. Uh, traffickers are looking for vulnerable women. Uh, vulnerability means economic vulnerability. It could be an emotional vulnerability, a psychological vulnerability. So they're looking for those kinds of vulnerability and then they engage with those people trying to fill their gaps, right? So if it is an emotional vulnerability, maybe they're going to give them love. If it is an economic vulnerability, maybe they're going to give them things that they need, right? And then after they basically um, work with that, I don't know if that's the right word, work, but like they kind of, you know, um, groom this person for a while. They take that away and they're like, wait, you need to do this for us. We have a relationship, right? And then they're going to use threats. I know where your, your, your family is. They're going to use force, um, anything that they can do to keep that woman basically in sex work. 
And why is trafficking a thing? Hmm. <laughs> I think it is because our it's a it yeah. kind of goes with so many other things, right? I think it is because our society doesn't have the structure to, you know, provide mental health um, help to the people that need it. I think it is because there is, you know, people in our society that are hungry. Like it has to do with poverty. It has to do with lack of education, with being uninformed, right? Because that's what they're looking for. These are the vulnerabilities they're looking for. So it really goes back into like what our society is lacking, right? Uh, it, uh, our society is lacking the protective fact, uh, protective factors to the people that are most vulnerable. And I think that's why it is a thing. And it is a crime that is easy to evade, you could say. They try not, traffickers try not to use force as much as they can. They try to finesse people into trafficking. So it is really hard sometimes, like women will come to Salt Lake Coalition and they don't want to go after their perpetrators because they see it, they view it as a relationship, right? And so if this person um, shows themselves at first as, a lover or as a boyfriend, maybe you're going to think that it's just a bad relationship, right? And so they will, don't even recognize it themselves sometimes. So the, the women that you serve now, what usually happens that brings them to the point where they're recognizing it? Is it uh, something healing. that they do or somebody else sees something and kind of calls it out? Or? Well, so we work with them and we kind of, we, we work a lot with self-awareness. I think that's one of the main things we do here is really like self-awareness. Let's look back at the past, at patterns, at what happened to you. And through this work, I think that they see like, what is it, what is a healthy relationship like? Uh, what am I, what should I expect of myself? Am I worthy? Like, those are the questions that, we tell them, yes, you're worthy. Yes, you're, you can be loved. You, are lo you, you should be loved, right? And we give them love and we give them community. So I think that when women have those things and they kind of start restoring their self-esteem, they look back and they're like, oh, wow. Actually, this, it wasn't just a bad relationship. It's yeah. way more than that. So you mentioned something earlier that's really important and I want to expand on mental health. So... A lot of the nonprofit organizations that we interview wouldn't be around if, for example, the services that they provide are provided by the government. What does our government do in the very specific case of women who are formerly incarcerated or who they knew were trafficked um, once they are released from prison? Like what services does the government or do? Does, yeah, so when they provide? go through the system, um, actually, the, ju just the judiciary system does a pretty good job. Uh, they have, they try to, a lot of, some courts have something that is more holistic, like a system that is more holistic and they try to connect them with organizations like us, um, or try to get them to get therapy, to go to rehab. Right. Um, but I feel like a lot of what the government provides right now, it's like within, uh, the county hospitals or within, um, mental health facilities and there is a lot of stigma surrounding this with, certain, with, with some communities, right? So, for example, I'm Latina. I was taught that getting therapy is a weakness. It's bad, right? And so what are the odds of me really going to a hospital and asking for help? Yeah. Probably not going to happen, right? So I think that the government is trying, but it needs a lot more work to provide the type of mental health help that people need in our community. Okay. 
Workforce development, it's a key part of your program. What are some of the activities that you're doing with the women that you're serving? Yeah, so we spent actually six months just with workforce development. Yes. Um, so we actually start with it, which is kind of odd for most people, uh, with yoga teacher training. That's how our yeah. workforce development yeah. starts. Uh, why do we do that? Because I don't know if you ever have taken a yoga class, Yes. but <laughs> it is actually really hard to teach it. I don't know if you've ever taught, probably not. Not taught. <laughs> um, but you have to be extremely accurate, like take your right hand and lift it up, right? You can't just say, lift your hand up, like which hand, where, like how, you know? So because of that, what we see is that as women are learning to teach yoga, they actually learn to have a voice, yeah. right? They learn to really speak their needs. So we actually start for a month with that yoga teacher training. And then uh, the, the people that want to pursue that for a career, they can continue. The ones that don't, they don't have to continue. And then we enter this general workforce development phase where women first look at their identity. So it's like, who are you? Because they've been told who they are for many, many years, right? But really, who are you? Like, who do you want to be? Like, yeah. who is that person that is in there? And so we work with them on that, on creating a brand, a personal brand, right? Um, and then after they create that brand, we have a stylist come in and to create a style that goes with that brand because that's extremely important. We have hairdressers come in and teach them how to work with their hair for that brand, right? Yeah. And then we start the whole work on, okay, what are the gaps in your education? What do you need to pursue in your education? We teach them how to interview. And then we do all the stuff that a workforce development does, right? Um, but I think that the most incredible thing that we do here at Salt Lake Coalition, okay, I guess I'm biased because <laughs> I am a founder, is that the whole idea of giving women a voice. Yep. So I will give you a quick story, but yeah. um, we had a volunteer here who's an artist. And um, I asked her, I, I said, you know, I want you to draw what your heart saw here at Salt Lake Coalition. And then she came up with a proposal for the arts. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, Isabel, the most amazing thing that I saw at Salt Lake Coalition was that women were gaining a voice. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that um, um, a sign language gives people a voice. So I am going to write the word thrive with sign language. Yeah. And just to have a volunteer see that because she saw women from the beginning to the end and now she's a mentor yep. is really, really exciting. And it's a sign that we're doing the right thing, I guess. Yeah. And I saw on your website, Thrivers is kind of the name you give to yeah. thriving survivors. Yeah. Is that all right? Well, because I think that they're always labeled survivors. And yeah. so when, when do you stop just surviving? Because I don't yeah. want women to just live like they're surviving. Because when you live in a survival mode, I have done that. And you don't even have time to think about your future. You don't have time to, you know, you don't have the resources to really live beyond that. So we want them to go beyond. And that's when we started calling them thrivers. Right. And how many thrivers have you or have gone through the program so far? So I think right now we have put 30 people through the program in the past three years, oh. but we've essentially quadrupled our um, operations since the beginning. So this year we should have at least another 20 graduate. Oh. And I saw you also have, you, you want to expand the work that you're doing in, the, in, the, in the, the program that you're doing through your Spread the Light Grassroots mm -hmm. Coalition. So is that to try to teach other people to set this similar program up, Salt and Light? Or what, what's the idea behind yeah, Spread the, the Light? Yeah, we're trying to play with 
the idea of depth and width, right? Yes. So right now we're trying to go deep, but we are also, as we entered actually 2020, yeah. and we had to, in 48 hours, uh, become uh, a streaming program, right? Yes. We had to go digital. Uh, we started thinking, wait, maybe we can take this to other states because there's a lot of women out there that need the yep. help that we provide. And so right now we're toying with the idea of creating smaller um, coalitions all over the country where we would stream our content. Yeah. Uh, we're not there yet. We're still like, you know, like in the beginning stages, but we're looking for um, partners. Yeah, 25,000 is a number just in Chicago per year. Mm -hmm. yes, so I can't right. imagine what the number is nationally, globally. Yeah, yeah. I think nationally is 403,000, if I'm not mistaken, yes. the latest numbers I saw. Um, and I don't know the numbers uh, worldwide mm -hmm. right off the top of my head. Yeah. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Should be zero. Um, a Blaze Leadership Program, this is something else that you're trying to build into right. what you have now. Is that something that's led by graduates of the program or volunteers or mentors? It is still led by um, by volunteers, but some of our volunteers are actually graduates, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're create, we're trying to create something uh, like a, a next step. So we've, we've been having graduate gets together every year. And one of the things that they say is one, they just miss being around here. Yep. Like they miss the community, they miss the sisterhood. And then through talking to them, I feel like they could be having a lot of advancement in their careers or, or do a lot of good in their communities, but they just don't know how to get there or how to develop their careers further. And so we want to have a retreat every year where we spend time with them, where we're coaching them on how to do that. And our hope is to give them a grant. So like if they want to advance their career, they can do that. Or if they want to start something to impact their communities, they are able to do that. So basically what we're seeing is our graduates are naturally impacting their families and their communities, right? right. So what would happen if we coached them and gave them some seed money? So that's the idea behind the Ablaze. And we're hoping to have our first one in June of this year. All right. And speaking of June, um, August, you have something going on in August. Yes. Uh, August 14th, we have our second in-person third annual gala mm -hmm. uh, for Solomite Coalition. We're hoping we're all going to be able to get together and party. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I Let's think hope. so. Yeah. Um, so we're very excited about it. Uh, we're going to be celebrating all of the women, showing how far a lot of the first graduates of Solomite Coalition have come. So we're just excited to sit in community and share um, what we have accomplished together. Yeah. Uh, if people that are listening, if this is a new concept to them like it is to me, and they want to get engaged or help out, what would be the process of them doing that? So there's a few different ways you can help out, right? So one of them is our coalition is mostly volunteer run. We have two full-time employees only. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have two contractors and then basically 200 volunteers, right? Wow. So our job training is taught by volunteers. Um, our yoga classes are taught by everything. And so if you want to volunteer, go to our website, www.solnightcoalition.com. Mm -hmm. Click on volunteer and sign up. Uh, we would love to have you. Uh, you maybe own a small business and maybe you want to work with us to give the women a chance, you yeah. know? And so please reach out to me. I would love to talk to you. 
Uh, we have several partnerships uh, here in the Chicagoland area that give the women their first opportunity. Uh, big companies like Kehi, which are, is a huge distributor, and smaller companies too. So if you have a small businesses or a big business and want to help, here we are. Uh, we do have several drives throughout the year um, looking for um, job uh, clothes for their interviews that we do. So like stay tuned in our Instagram yeah. or Facebook pages because you can find out when those happen and you can send some uh, job and interview clothes our way. Yeah. Some, well, what, sometimes for our interviews, we like to solicit questions from our other teammates. Okay. So, uh, Corey and Kevin, do you have any questions? And I'll reiterate them just so it can be heard on an actual connected mic. Yeah, I have one. And how do So, sorry, the question. Yeah, the question was, how do women find Salt and Light Coalition? Yes. Yeah. So we work with partnerships in the community. Um, a lot of the organizations uh, that I did research on are yeah. our partners. So, for example, Haymarket Center, Traffic Free, Stop It. There's like I don't know, 15 of those organizations out here in uh, the Chicagoland area. Uh, when it is closed to a new cohort starting. So usually in the months of April and October, we start sending emails out, calling uh, these organizations, asking if they have anybody to refer to us. Mm -hmm. And then they will send whoever they think would be a good fit for organization. And usually we're looking for women that are six months clean. Mm -hmm. uh, we want women that are really ready to take this next step in their lives, right? And so if they know they have a person like that, they'll send it to us. We'll go through an interview process. We ask them to try out our yoga classes because a lot of the women that we work with have never taken yoga. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so we want them to make sure that that's a fit for them. Um, and then if it is a good fit, they start um, in the, either in July or January. All right. Yeah. Kevin, any questions? Uh, I guess to kind of tie back to some misconceptions about trafficking. First question is where when we talk about state of the world today, is it getting worse? Is technology making this easier or harder to traffic? Is this something that is becoming a bigger, bigger issue? And then the second question is like, what's the most common misconception about trafficking? What does trafficking look like for me as an individual mm -hmm. out and about? So first, let's go first. Sorry, yeah. I, my, my memory's like yeah. that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, first question is, in the state of like technology, we're is it getting more worse? and more global. Yeah. Is trafficking is it getting worse? Is it easier with technology? Yeah. yeah. So the question is: Is technology making trafficking better or worse? Yeah. yeah. So definitely worse. Um, mm. uh, actually, COVID too, right? So Polaris estimates that trafficking went up forty percent uh, during COVID. Why? Because people are more vulnerable. People are isolated. Uh, yeah. People are depressed. So that emotional instability is there. Um, and on top of that, people are going through a hard time financially because many people can't work or have been cut hours, right? And so it is definitely getting worse with COVID and technology is definitely exacer exacerbating that. Why? 42% of people that are trafficked meet their traffickers online, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe social media, maybe a chat room, um, Snapchat, right? Uh, this person will slip into people's DMs get to know them. And then it turns out that 30% of the, those people never actually meet them in 
person, Jeez. which is crazy, right? Yeah. Huh. Um, so there's a lot of effort out there. Uh, you see Ashton Kutcher's company, and he has a nonprofit that kind of tries to, you know, uh, use technology to stop it. Mm. But uh, right now, I would not say that it's getting better yet. It's getting worse. Okay. And then the second question was misconceptions about trafficking. Okay. Uh, so I think that the number one misconception people have about trafficking is that women are in a basement tied up. And so they see um, the media out there, right? If you Google trafficking, the first picture you're going to see some woman, you can do it. It's going to be some woman in some handcuffs or something. Right. Um, and why? Because you have, uh, taken, you have these movies, the media creating this idea of trafficking that is not necessarily the truth. It does happen. Mm-hmm. I won't say it does not happen, but there, it happens in a lot of other ways, right? You have people that are trafficked by their families, you know, people that are trafficked by boyfriends, right? And so the issue with that is that if you don't know what trafficking really looks like, or if you don't understand that it can look like different things, you are going to see or talk to somebody who's trafficked and you're not going to pick up the signs, right? And so it is very important to educate society in what trafficking truly is and that it's not necessarily a woman tied up in a basement. Okay. Another question? What are some of the signs? Yes. What are some of the signs of people being trafficked? Yeah. So that's a question we get asked a lot. (laughs) So I think that you were going to see a change of behavior, especially in teenagers, Um, All of a sudden, the teenager's performance in school will drop. Um, And then maybe they start wearing clothes that are different than they used to. So maybe shorter skirts, like, you know, more provocative clothing. Uh, They maybe have tattoos that they can't talk how they got it. Like they Mm. might not be able to tell you how they got it. Fake IDs that they can't explain how they got it. Um, They might have an older boyfriend um, that they can't really talk about much, yeah. but that is a bad relationship. They may be fearful of um, police. They might not want to talk to, you know, the government. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some of the signs that you can kind of notice in people. Also, being able to buy things or having beauty treatments that they can't afford. They don't have a job, and, but they have the latest iPhone. Like, why is that, right? And so I think parents like need to be watching for those signs. And one sign does not mean trafficking, right? right? So let's not all freak out all of a sudden because your kid is not getting good grades in school. Yeah. But if you see all of these signs all together, then I might you might want to poke a little bit into what is going on with your child. Sometimes also uh, kids go missing days at a time and then come back home like three days, they're mm-hmm. gone and then they come back home and you can't explain where they were gone to and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Another question. Yes. Yeah. Question is, how many people in a cohort and is there an age range? Yeah. So our cohorts are tapped at 20 people because of our space. Unfortunately, our space is small. Yeah. And so we can only take 20 people at a time. We also have obviously a financial uh, kind of limit because we give women stipends to be here and we give them CTA cards. So each woman costs about $5,000 a year. Yeah. And so obviously due to space constraints and money constraints, we only take 20 people at a time. Um, and then age, age. Yes. so we take women from 18 all the way to 50 years old, actually. Uh, but the age kind of 
ranges in each cohort. Some cohorts are younger, some are more in the middle. It kind of depends, really. Okay. The one question I have that came up is, we're at an undisclosed location here in Chicago. I think there's an obvious answer, but why is that? Uh, because a lot of times women's perpetrators will be trying to go after them and get them to go back into trafficking. And so we don't want to put ourselves at risk and we don't want to put that, anybody here at risk. So they are not supposed to tell anybody where they are at. Uh, we don't tell. There's no, mark, there's no marking in our door or anything like that. And we try to keep it um, ourselves as safe as we can here. All right. Well, I think that sums up a lot of the questions I had and time flies usually with these conversations. So is there anything else you want to leave us with? <sighs> anything else I want to leave you guys? Well, you know, um, we're here in Chicago. Uh, if you want to support us, uh, please look us up at Sunlight Coalition on Instagram or Facebook um, or Google us. We're also on our website. If you can give financially, please do. Our operations are always needing help, obviously. If you can't volunteer, you can volunteer in so many ways here at Sunlight Coalition, behind the scenes, in front of clients. Um, if you can maybe provide jobs, support us. Um, we are a coalition and we really are looking for people and organizations that are wanting to make a difference in these women's lives. So if that's you, just reach out and we'll find a way to work together. All right, Dr. Olson, thank you so much for your time today. And we look forward to sharing your story and driving some engagement. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. Don't forget, for more stories like this, you could also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Instagram followers are link trees in the bio. And for podcast listeners, we are on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today.